I've confronted hundreds of men over two decades. I have been in television for 24 years. I just came to get something to eat. And I have very seldom been at a loss for words. I just came to get something to eat. Men online looking for children to sexually assault. What's the motive here? It's, Explain it to me. I'm no, not you're right. No, you're right. It's stupid. It's, it's not. It's an no. illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. Men from all walks of life. A doctor. A teacher. A clergyman. You sent pornographic pictures through the mail. Okay, that's a federal offense right there. You know I'm in trouble, and I know I'm in trouble. I tried to get into their heads and understand why. Who's who we have tonight? Uh, I, I want to know who you are. I want to know a little bit more about you first. Can I eat first? Sure, go ahead. Let's see if any of this sounds familiar while you enjoy your pizza. And ultimately, make sure they face justice. You ask her if she's a virgin. I ask everybody all kinds of stuff. It's just talk. You ask her if she's horny. What's wrong with that? You ask if she does anal. It's a question. Question. Who are they? Have they tried to prey on other children? And where are they now? These are the predators I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen. In March 2007, we were in contact with the Maniloking Police Department on the Jersey Shore, as well as the prosecutor's office in Ocean County, New Jersey. Both offices were curious about cooperating in a To Catch a Predator episode, and so it was we started to look for a home. Amazingly, after checking the listings, my producer Lynn Keller found a, a family really a state, I guess you will, right on the beach in Manilokan, had been in the family for generations. Beautiful old place, typical of many of them on the Jersey Shore. Gorgeous. And so now in the meeting to negotiate the rent and everything else that goes with doing a predator investigation in someone's private home, Lynn was talking to the owner and the question arose, who could we use as an on-site decoy. We like to have a young man and a young woman, hopefully 18, 19, 20 years old, but looking younger to interact with the predator when he arrives at our location. And we had been very fortunate to find some youngish looking actors and college students and police cadets over the years. And once again, we did it here in Maniloka, New Jersey. The owner of the home said, well, my daughter is in college, a theater student, and looks very young. And so that's how we first met Casey Morrow. And then the police department, who was able to give us a lead on a young man who was 18 years old, who posed as the male decoy on site. Interestingly, I can't remember the decoy's name for the life of me, and nobody at the police department today can either. Neither can Lynn Keller, my producer, who I just got off the phone with minutes before recording this podcast. Anyway, he did a wonderful job and he is to be applauded. And that's a long-winded way of getting to the individual, one of 28 predators who showed up at our house in Manilokan and was confronted by me and ultimately arrested. This guy who became quite famous in the 
TCAP community, the To Catch a Predator community, is named Anthony Palumbo. Now, the reason he became iconic, in a way, I suppose, is because of his speech pattern, his sayings, the way he talked when he walked into the room. And I'll get to that in just a few minutes here. But first, let's set up who Anthony Palumbo really was. Online, cruising gay chat rooms, he identified himself by the screen name Hey Buddy Was Up. And when he hit upon our online decoy, who was working with Perverted Justice at the time, the online watchdog group with which we worked for so many years, he got right to business. And let me give you a sense of the discussion. It leaves little doubt to what his intent was with someone who referred to themselves as a 14-year-old boy. Now, if you listen to this podcast, you are not likely of the faint of heart, but I do want to warn you that this particular transcript is a little graphic, so stand by. Hi, buddy, what's up? Anthony Palumbo says, you swallow? Outer space boy, the perverted justice decoy posing as a 14-year-old says, what's that? Palumbo says, the comp. Says again, you swallow? Oh, sure, I suppose, LOL. So, like, did you want to do more than that? The decoy is open-minded. Then Palumbo says, I want to be top. Uh, okay, says the decoy. Well, I don't have no rubbers. You bring them? Yes, in lube, too. I hear you got to use lots of it. That's the young man. Then Palumbo says, you do it raw? Raw? Yes, what's that? No rubber. Now, this no rubber line has become infamous in the TCAP community as well. Uh, It's a question I get all the time when I post something on social media about various projects I'm working on. I'll just hear randomly, no rubber. (laughs) These things tend to take on a life of their own. When Outer Space Boy 93 asks how old What's Up Buddy is, he says 35. Well, that's the first of many lies that Anthony Palumbo will tell in that 24-hour period. Palumbo then says, you top or bottom? I don't know. I never done either. I suppose both. You? Hi, buddy, what's up? Palumbo says both. Then he asks, you suck? The boy says, I would like to try, yeah. You kiss? Heck yeah, bro. It's hot. Nice. Do you? And it goes on and on and on. Finally, a date is met. And Anthony Palumbo, who is not 35, who is actually 46, starts heading from his home, where he lives with his parents in Staten Island, New York, all the way out to the Jersey Shore, which is about a a two-and-a-half-hour ride. He has a little trouble with directions, but ultimately... Here he comes. Hey, <laughs> come on in. Awesome. Anthony Palumbo walks into the house. He really doesn't look around much or comment on it, except to say that what a nice place it is. He goes right over and starts to talk to the on-site decoy. And he has with him a six-pack of beer. They set it down and, you know, the discussion is a little bit nervous. They go back and forth for a little bit and... I'm just a little nervous. I'm nervous, too. My excuse to come here, I went to Atlantic City. And he tells the boy to go put that beer in the refrigerator. Put that in the refrigerator. Yeah, I'll put it in a little bit. Uh, Now, this is the weird part about this little interaction or this part of the interaction is here's a guy, by all accounts, his transcript, 
who at 46 has no problem having sex with a 14-year-old boy, rape. But he's worried that the boy might drink one of the beers because of his age before he gets him to the refrigerator. He says, don't drink those, don't get drunk. You can put that in the refrigerator next time. Don't get drunk with that. I won't. And they laugh about it and he takes the beer away. And when he takes the beer away, I come walking in. So why'd you need the cover story to go to uh, Atlantic City? We had done more than a half dozen investigations prior to the Jersey Shore. So we had this pretty much down to a system, but you never know really what's going to happen. We had changed up our security procedures a little bit because of some previous incidents and we wanted to make sure everybody was safe in the house. Again, Palumbo was one of 28 guys who had surfaced during this three-day investigation. And as always, you compare the actual location, in this case, you know, a very well-to-do resort community right on the Atlantic Ocean to what's happening inside the home. And it always strikes me that this is a crime that could happen virtually anywhere. This isn't in some rundown part of town. This is probably a four or five million dollar home. More about this predator I've caught in a moment. So I walk out. I'm wearing a bulletproof vest underneath my shirt. If you look closely at the video, you can probably tell. And Palumbo on the surface really didn't pose any threat, physical threat at least, that I could tell. But, you know, we're not too sure. And we really don't know all that much about Palumbo's background. He doesn't say much in the chat about what he does for a living. Based upon everything we can find, he's unemployed. But I walk in and I ask him, you know, what are you up to here tonight? It was nothing. And he goes on to talk about how he was uh, mixed up with the directions and he stopped in here and he was actually going to go to Atlantic City. My brother is home, my other brother. Right. And I said, I gotta go to Atlantic City. So you like to gamble? Yeah, I love to gamble. You took a little bit of a gamble coming in here tonight. Now he had already said that he was going to Atlantic City and that was his cover for leaving his parents' house in Staten Island. And one of the other things that became iconic from this particular episode was the way he said Atlantic City. He said, Atlantic City, I'm going to Atlantic City. Atlantic City. And so I continue to chip away at his story. I ask him, how old are you? He says, 39. 39. You said you were 35 online. 35, 39. And then I said, well, it says here you're 46. They says, no, I'm 37. And finally he admits that he's 46. And he reminded me a little bit of another fellow who we had come across both in Riverside County, California, a guy named Michael Siebert, who obviously had some intellectual challenges. I could see that there was a scar in his head and, and he kind of got a pass in that first investigation that he showed up in, in in Riverside, California. But then again, a few weeks later, he showed up at Long Beach, California in another investigation. And of course, well, that changed things. And we found out more about his background and the fact that he was violent, but he did. This Anthony Palumbo sort of remind me a little bit of Michael Siebert in that way. You sort of wonder, well, does he have a mental issue? Is that some sort of defense for what he's about to do? And then when you start to think and realize that it really doesn't matter because he was capable of getting online. He was capable of having this chat. He was capable of knowing that this boy was 14 years old, the decoy, and he was ready and willing to commit sexual assault. And this conversation went on for a while and he really wasn't giving much up. He 
said he wasn't really going to do anything. He said he was stupid. That's how he said it, stupid. And that became iconic, too, in TCAP lore. And finally, he admitted that it didn't look good, that what he was doing was wrong, and he was stupid. You're right. It's stupid. It's It's not. It's an illegal thing. Yeah, I know. I did a stupid thing. And at that point, and you'll hear it here. Do you ever uh, watch much television? Sometimes, once in a while. Not so much of a TV person. Well, I'm Chris Hansen. We're doing a story on adults who try to meet kids online. I wouldn't want to be, um... Oh, boy. I wrap up the interview. You can walk right out of the door. You can't. Okay. He leaves. He's arrested by the Manilokan Police Department, and he's taken away for interrogation at the police department, which is just, you know, a few miles and a few minutes away. Palumbo was ultimately convicted of one charge of criminal attempt to have sex with a minor. He was sentenced to a lifetime of parole supervision and registration as a sex offender. In spite of his iconic TCAP status, not much is known about Anthony Palumbo's activities or whereabouts before or after he was arrested. We do know that he was involved in a rather bizarre incident two years before he serviced in our investigation involving his mother and father on Staten Island. So, as the story goes, and it was published in the New York Post in January of 2005, the father, Frank Palumbo, brandishing a pitchfork, he was 85 at the time, threatened to kill his wife in some sort of dispute over a million dollars in stocks. So Frank Palumbo, the father of Anthony, was actually arraigned and charged with assault and weapons possession on this attack on his 75-year-old wife inside their home that at the time was uh, right there on Staten Island. And apparently, Frank Palumbo first used a wooden tray to break his wife's nose, then menaced her with a pitchfork, shouting, I will kill you, a police source said. The argument went back and forth for hours before police were called, and Mary, the wife, apparently recovered without much time in the hospital. But during all of this, apparently Anthony also went to the hospital because his father had poured boiling soup on his head during this entire dispute. So you have to wonder, I guess, did that have some sort of impact on him conducting himself online in the way he did and surfacing in our investigation? I doubt it. It sounds like it's a colorful family, and it sounds like Anthony had much deeper problems than that. Palumbo did have another brush with the law in February of 2019. He apparently got involved in some sort of hit-and-run accident out on Staten Island and was arrested. Now, he was on lifetime probation from the arrest in New Jersey on the shore during our TCAP investigation. So there was a, a violation of that probation, and he actually spent 45 days behind bars in Rikers Island in New York. He was released and... It's one of those cases where he's left no real trail since then. One of the things that I remember about the Palumbo transcript is that when he got excited in his conversation with the decoy from Perverted Justice, he would write in all caps. So when he said, I want to be top, want to do it raw, no rubber, those things were in 
all caps, and we sometimes mused among the crew that perhaps part of his probation should have been never being able to type in all caps again. The other memorable thing about Anthony Palumbo is this just being stupid. My security man, Ron Knight, picked up on that. And for years later, when we would have a discussion someplace or something would go wrong with another story, he would say, I'm just being stupid. So there's a whole book probably that we could publish on predator sayings and the things that we carry with us because of those experiences. I remember driving back to Connecticut that Sunday night after we wrapped the investigation and and thinking, you know, how much longer will we actually do this where men will continue to show up at one of our houses? And remember, this was in March 2007. So here we are all these years later, and we just wrapped another investigation several weeks ago in Michigan where we had a Michigan prison guard, a state contractor who had done work in the governor's mansion, a police officer from Lebanon, all surfaced in the investigation 17 years after the original. Tells me that this issue isn't going away anytime soon. If you know anything about Anthony Palumbo, I'd like to hear about it. You can reach me at Chris at Predator Podcast. In the meantime, I'll be watching, and I'll see you next week with another episode about a predator I've caught. I'm Chris Hansen.